the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Your house needs needs a spiritual security system. Now, you might get by with not, without having a security system in your physical house, but I will tell you in your spiritual house, your spiritual house desperately needs a spiritual security system. And I'm going to tell you why. Because there is a thief that is coming to your house. It's not a possibility, it's reality. See, it's, it's a possibility that a thief might come to your physical house. That's possible. But for many of us, maybe that's never going to happen. But it's something that's sort of a possibility out there. But when it comes to your spiritual house, it's absolutely certain that there's a thief coming to your house. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There's a thief coming, trying to break into your house. Now, if you knew that a thief was planning on coming to your house, it would be foolish not to have some kind of security system in place. And so when we recognize that we are, as, as Christian believers, that we are under attack, they're, they're enemy forces, the enemy forces of darkness that are very real. You can't see them, but they're very real. He's known as the devil and all the demonic elements associated with, with the diabolical dimension of life. And to know that there's this thief that exists and has targeted you and me, the response that we should have in life is to make sure that we are properly secured, that there's a security system. So how do we build this very important system in our spiritual houses? Here are five things you have to have in place. These are not going to guarantee it all, but these are five things that are necessary. The first thing is essential for your house to be secure that we'll talk about today is you need to focus, you need to focus on your personal relationship with God. It all starts with you. When God made us as human beings, he created us in his image, and we have three parts. We can't so much divide our our being into three parts, but there are three dimensions that work together, spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is what relates to God. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, where you make decisions, and your body is the tent that you carry all this around in, and your body will pass on one day, but your spirit and soul will live forever. There's an eternal dimension to your spirit and soul. And so our body is just simply the tent. And so one day we will receive a a new body when Jesus comes back again. But it's what carries us in this, this world that we live in. And many people get the equation in terms of health wrong many times because they focus all their attention on the body and they neglect the soul and the spirit. And what happens when you focus on the body and you have an emaciated soul or spirit, you don't have the strength on the inside that you need to fight the battles that are coming your way in life. 
And to have the strength that you need in life, you start by building up your spirit. And your spirit is where you have a relationship with God. And when you have a strong relationship with God, it helps you in your soul. You always think better when you're in right relationship with God. You make better decisions when you're in right relationship with God. And in fact, you have a better set of emotions when you're in right relationship with God. And so your soul comes into health when your spirit is strong. The stronger your spirit is, the more healthy your soul can be. It's not the only aspect of it. Because you have to learn certain things about nurturing your soul and God's word and God's ways and relationships, but it's vital to make sure that your life is in order. And of course, if you're in right relationship with God and your soul is healthy, then you're wiser when it comes to dealing with your body, okay? So you deal with your body, you manage your body, your health in a better way. But here's my main focus for you in this point. How are you doing in your spirit? How strong are you in your spirit? How strong is your personal relationship with God. I'll give you a variety of reasons why this is important, some of which I've already mentioned. But let me talk about another aspect of it. When it comes to dealing with the adversary, the devil, and his attacks upon your family, you need something called discernment. And the way that you develop discernment is by relating to God, because when you relate to God, he sensitizes you in your spirit. Your spirit becomes far more sensitive when you're in right relationship with God. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 11, where Paul writes about this. He gives a number of points that he's talking to the church there at Corinth about, and then he says, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Paul says it's extremely important that we be in a place spiritually where the devil cannot outwit us. He can't exploit us. He cannot take advantage of us so that we're not unaware. We're not clueless to the the things that he might be doing in our life. We're not unaware, not unconscious of his schemes. Notice Ephesians 6, 10 and 11. Finally, Paul says, be strong in the Lord. He didn't say be strong in your body. Nothing wrong with that. But he said be strong in the Lord. Lord, and in his, in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against, read the rest with me, the devil's scheme. So the devil is scheming against you. You need to be aware of his schemes. And the only way you'll be aware of his schemes is by discernment. The only way you have good, strong discernment is by building up your relationship with God. And through that relationship with God, you're not only aware of things that you need to be aware of, but you're now strong to be able to handle them. Strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And so if you're going to build a security system in your house, the first step in the process is to make sure that you are pursuing a strong relationship with God individually. It's not about somebody else in your house first. It's really about you. Number two, the second thing, you got to let go of shame and process the pain from your past. You'll never build a good, strong security system in your family if shame is still affecting you from your past and if pain is still affecting you from your past, because the devil will play on your shame and the devil will play on your pain. And if he can play on your shame, that is by making you feel guilty for things that God has already forgiven you of, if you walk around in this sense of guilt and unworthiness about your life, he plays with that kind of stuff and he undermines your spiritual and moral authority. And so it leaves you uh, somehow weak in that battle against the adversary. Shame is something God never designed to be long-term in your life. Shame can get our attention. Shame can draw us to God for forgiveness, but shame is never designed by 
by God to be something to remind you of your failures in life. One of the beautiful things about God is that when God forgives, he forgives. The devil will never remind you of your forgiveness. He'll always remind you of your failures. And so this is the thing we need to be aware of. There are a lot of people going through life and they're undermined in their spiritual power because they, they feel guilty. They feel shame over something that happened in their life or something that they did or something that someone else did to them. And so this shame becomes a little string or sometimes a, a large rope that the adversary sort of yanks us around with and makes us feel guilty about where we are in life. Now, if you've sinned, you need to go to God and ask for forgiveness and deal with it and repent of it. But understand that after you've repented of sin, you've confessed it to God honestly and openly. He is the God of forgiveness. He's the God of grace. The same is true with pain. If you're carrying pain around inside, emotional pain, brokenness inside of you where something hurt you or somebody hurt you and it's still strong on the inside. It may not be there all the time, but it sort of surfaces from time to time. That emotional pain also becomes something that, that gets played with by the adversary. And he begins to, if you will, sort of mess with your life by the shame and the pain that you feel. Notice these words in Scripture, Proverbs 17, verse 22. A joyful, cheerful heart brings healing to both body and soul, but the one whose heart is crushed, when your heart is crushed, what are you going to do? You're going to struggle. But the one whose heart is crushed struggles with sickness and depression. When your heart is crushed, when your heart is under pain, it's going to create struggle in your life. You will not be as strong spiritually as you need to be. In John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, we find these words, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God never, never, ever will condemn you. His word to you is always to save you. God is not a condemning God. He is a saving God. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. A couple more verses in this section. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There's a forward momentum to your life. You're not living your life looking back. And finally, Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up. See, these things grow up over time. They don't just show up immediately. They grow over time if you don't deal with them. Bitter roots and things in your soul that can damage you to cause trouble and defile many. The third thing that I want to talk about for a few moments this morning, if you're going to build a security system in your house, you've got to take personal responsibility for managing your emotions and building your relationships. And why is this point so vital? Because if you don't take personal responsibility for managing your emotions, your emotions, and managing and building your relationships, what you're going to do is find yourself in cooperation with the devil. Whose responsibility is it to manage your emotions? It's your responsibility and mine. God has given us emotions, and emotions can be positive, and they can certainly be negative as well. And God calls us to bear the responsibility of managing these, how you feel, how you respond to things in life, or how you choose to react to things. Notice Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. In your anger, so it's acknowledging that anger is a real emotion, in your anger, do not 
sin. So you can be angry and not sin. We're not very good at it, okay? It can happen, potentially. But in your anger, do not sin. And notice this, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And read the rest with me. And do not give the devil a foothold. You got that there? And so he says, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let it stay inside of you and brew and stew and and boil over time and ferment in you over time. And you don't, you don't deal with it. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. What he's saying is you, you've got to deal with this stuff inside of you. Was he specifically talking about don't, don't, don't go to bed angry? Sometimes, you know, for some of you, you'd never get any sleep, right? Okay, okay. This was the case in your life, okay? It, it, <laughs> but the point is, is that you've got to be proactive in dealing with it, right? That's the idea. It's not so much... Oh, it's the sun's about to set. I need to stop being angry. Well, maybe that's a good thing to do, but the emphasis is really on dealing with it as proactively and as quickly as possible so it's not brewing and stewing inside of you because when you do that, what did the Bible say will happen? You will give the devil what? Do you know that some of us have given the devil a foothold in our house because we haven't properly dealt with our anger. We haven't handled it the right way. And so I'm going to talk to us in a moment about how to change that. But it happens to all of us. Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Do not let, notice that statement, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it might benefit, they may benefit those who listen. And look at verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let's stop there. Just time out for a moment. Paul says, don't let any unwholesome words come of your mouth, only words that build others up. And by the way, don't grieve the Spirit of God. Now, he's linking two things together. He's linking what we say with how it affects the Holy Spirit's work in our life. If we're speaking unwholesome words, by the way, that word unwholesome means anything that, that, that causes disruption or causes decay in a person. Unwholesome that drives down, that destroys instead of building up. Don't let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth in your relationships. Make sure that doesn't happen. The only words that build up. Because if you do speak unwholesome words, unhelpful words, words that tear down, you're grieving the Spirit of God. Now, listen closely. If unwholesome words grieve the spirit, what do unwholesome do, words do for the devil? Pleases him, right? You with me? Okay. If it grieves God, you can be sure it pleases the devil. So here's what we've got to understand. When I speak words that are unwholesome and words that tear down and words that are destructive, it's hurting the heart of God, but the devil's over in the corner. Go, boy, go. Are you, are you tracking with me? Okay. And so now what we're talking about, how do you create a security system in your house? It happens when you take control, get rid of all unwholesome talk. Let's continue on in verse number 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as as in Christ God forgave you. So when instead of being unwholesome with our words, we're kind and compassionate and loving in the way that we speak toward others. The Bible says that pleases God, but it displeases the adversary. Okay. So he's going to do everything possible to get you riled up on the inside so that he actually is, he has to do very little work because you're doing his work for him. You've allowed him in the fourth thing necessary. How do you build a security system in your house? You've got to cleanse and sanctify all spiritual access points. 
It's very interesting in the Bible that we see this very important principle of cleaning out the access points in, in houses. In Exodus chapter 12, let me give you a couple of illustrations of this. In Exodus chapter 12, the children of Israel were about to be delivered out of Egypt. And so they're going to experience what's called the Passover for the first time, where it passes over the angels, right? The, angel, the death angel passes over, and they're delivered and brought out. Before they were to experience the Passover, God gave them a specific set of instructions. Notice what he told them in Exodus 12, beginning in verse number 15. For seven days, that is prior to the Passover, for seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your on the seventh, on the first day, remove the yeast from your what are we talking about in this series? There's another one of those nine hundred occasions where the word house comes up, right? Remove the yeast from your houses. Now, let's stop there for a moment. So God is concerned about what's in their house, right? What is he talking to them about? Remove the yeast from your house. So two key words. Say them again with me. Yeast from your house. And as you begin to study the concept of yeast in the Bible, yeast represents, one of the basic ideas of yeast, when when it touches bread, it expands it, it it enlarges it, okay? And so uh, many times yeast is associated with pride and arrogance, is associated with sin and rebellion against God. So in essence, God is saying, before we do this Passover thing, go to your house, going to be seven days before it happens, on the first day, you start doing some cleaning in your house. Look for all the yeast, get all the yeast out. That represents sin, that represents pride, that represents anything that's displeasing to me because I'm about to do something amazing for you. I'm going to get you out of Egypt, but, but for, me to be, for you to be prepared for the amazing thing I want to do for you, you have some house cleaning to do, right? So God said, get you out of Egypt, but you need to get the yeast out. Once they entered the promised land, this is so interesting to me. I wish I had another hour to talk about this. I don't. Some of you are sort of glad I don't, but uh, that's okay. It certainly interests me. Once they got into the promised land, notice what God told them in, in Leviticus chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when you arrive in the land of Canaan, which I have given you, and I place leprosy in some house there, then the, notice leprosy where? In some what? So where's the leprosy? Not in the body, but leprosy's where? In the house. All right, so he's not talking about the body here. He's talking about people's houses, okay? Then the owner of the house shall come and report to the priest. It seems to me that there may be leprosy in my house. So what's he concerned about? Not leprosy in his body, but leprosy in his house. The priest shall order the house to be emptied before he examines it so that everything in the house, I think this passage is about the house. Would you agree? Okay. Will not be declared contaminated if he decides that there is leprosy there. If he finds greenish or reddish streaks in the walls of the house, which seems to be beneath the surface of the wall, he shall close up the house for seven days and return the seventh day to look at it again. If the spots have spread in the wall, then the priest shall order the removal of the spotted section of the wall, and the material must be thrown into a defiled place outside the city. Then he shall order the inside walls of the house scraped thoroughly and scrapings dumped in a defiled place outside the city, other stones shall be brought to replace those that have been removed and new mortar used and the house replastered. So here the scripture saying, God says, I've got some instructions for you. If your house gets leprosy, there's a cure. Somebody say hallelujah right there. Okay. 
And here's what you do. What was he saying? House that slept. Well, in essence, what he was talking about was mildew or things that right, we think of mold and mildew, things that are unhealthy. Okay. And so this house is growing something that shouldn't be growing. Right. And there are houses that grow things that shouldn't be growing. Right. He says, when you see this stuff growing on the wall, the first thing you do is go get the priest. Go get the priest because we need the priest to come check this out. Here's the good news. You don't need a man as the priest, as a follower of Jesus. You have Jesus, the high priest, who's willing to step into your house and heal your house of leprosy, okay? So the first thing you do when you say, my goodness, I'm kind of concerned. I've got some leprosy going on in my house. Jesus! I need you in my house. But what you've got to do is you've got to shut down the access points in your house and learn to discern that there's some leprosy there. There's a priest that can help you drive it out. I'm not going to take time to read the rest of this. I think we read most of it a moment ago, but let me do, I do want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 because I want to tie this together because I want you to see it's not just Old Testament but New Testament. Are you all staying with me today? Okay, there's a lot of stuff here, okay? Thank you for being so kind, okay? Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Read the next verse, verse 7. Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Last point, and we conclude today as we're wrapping up. I need to pray and proclaim God's promises over your house. Part of the way that your house is cleansed is by praying over your house and proclaiming God's promises over your house. I will pray something like this, so not something like this, exactly like this. Whoever dwells, and again, I'm in my house, got my Bible open, and I'm just out loud either by myself. My wife and I have done this together. She probably has done it without me. I don't know. I haven't asked her, but I'm sure that she probably has from time to time. And so I'm reading out loud, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. God, do this in my house. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. God, I pray this to be true in my house. Surely he will save you from the fowler snare and from the deadly pestilence. God, do this in my house. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. God, do this in my, say it with me, my house. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. God, do this in my house. You will observe, you will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. God do this in my house for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and on the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. God do this in my house because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with 
with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God, do this in my house. Now, you'll notice a couple of things. I'm not trying to give you a formula. I don't believe in formulas. It's not some kind of magical incantation. I'm just saying you need to pray and proclaim God's word in your house. But I want you to notice that when I did it, did you notice that I used some authority with my voice? Okay. Why is that important? Because he dwells in the secret place of the most high. I'm not even sure if I believe this. I'm just going to say it anyway. Okay. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Do you see the difference? There's something that when you rise up on the inside, you begin to proclaim that something is true, that something is real. There's an authority in your voice. Why? Because you're hearing what you say. What you, when you hear what you say, it either is, is bringing a lack of authority to what you're declaring or it reinforces authority in what you're declaring. So you proclaim it and then you declare, Lord, this is to be true in my house. There are lots of scriptures I've given you on that, uh, that little page I handed you a moment ago, that little resource. But you can pray through these scriptures and proclaim them in your house. What have we learned? There's a thief coming to your house. But the good news is we have the possibility of establishing a security system that protects us against, against the invasion of the adversary if we'll do our part. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word and make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.